0: What's up PTB Nation, how are you doing this weekend? That's right, it is Sunday night and that can only mean one thing. It is time for Parking the Bus. It's episode 10 tonight and it is your one-stop shop for all things soccer talk. We got a lot to cover tonight, there is a lot going on in the football world and um. Just want to start, of course, by introducing myself. I am your host, the Mister Mike Agustinu, here on the PTB Media Network, home of the Park and the Bus podcast, among other uh, among other projects, of course. So I'm going to start the show this week right out of the gates, okay? And this is more of a local situation for myself here in uh, the United States, here in the state of Massachusetts, to be exact, okay? Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association is number one on my list this week. That is the governing body for interscholastic sports here in the state of Massachusetts. High school sports, to be exact, okay? But they're t- they're taking a page right out of Mass Youth Soccer, okay? And they released this week their modifications to the game of soccer, game of football, if you will. For those of you outside the United States, this governing body has modified the game for this fall 2020 due to COVID-19, okay? So they're not canceling the season even though a lot of schools aren't even opening school. People are going to school at home, yet we're going to have we're going to have soccer. But listen to this. I'm going to read you some of these rule modifications and guidelines. By the know-it-all academics at the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association, principals of schools, athletic directors, quote-unquote educators. Listen to how educated this sounds. Every school, district, or program should consult their local health department to determine which risk level to start this program safely at. Continued consultation with local health department should be used to determine when progression to the next risk level can be initiated. Okay, fine. That's fine. So we're in we're in different phases, and yes, um, well, this state's a little bit of a mess, mostly because we have a giant city for the size of our state, okay? Those of you not familiar with the United States, we have here in the state of Massachusetts, small state, small state. More than half of our state lives within the greater Boston area, okay? Yeah, that can extend out to me. I'm an hour away, uh, just to give you a little bit of of a grasp. Most of the state lives east of me, okay? West of me, very few people live. The COVID problem is in Boston. Keep that in mind. For the rest of us, it's a whole different reality outside of the city, but... That, that's beyond, you know, my pay grade. That is beyond what I'm here to talk about. Let's stick to football, okay? So, they have issued the following recommendations, pre-workout, pre-contest screenings. They're going to have screenings before matches, before, before training, or as they call it in high school, practices and games, scrimmages. Prior to attending practices or games, athletes and coaches should check their temperature student athlete or coaching staff member has a temperature of 100.4 to be precise or above they should not attend the practice or games i guess if you have 100.3 you're good likewise if they have any symptoms of covid-19 and they give you a link to the cdc's website cuz you know they're all knowing and all and all wise on this they should not attend practices or games student athletes and coaches who have symptoms of covid Infection should follow the Department of Public Health Care's guidance regarding isolation and testing. That's fine. That's all fine. Okay, I understand. We live in the country with the most lawsuits in the world. Everything is about liability. Don't for one moment be fooled and think that these academics and that these politicians give one damn about your kids or about their experience or about what they feel like right now. But let's go on to some some things about the game itself okay social distancing in the game or i should say in game in practice coaches are responsible for ensuring social distancing is maintained between players as much as possible this includes additional spacing between athletes while stretching warming up chatting changing drills etc athletes must maintain spacing and there should be no congregating of athletes while running drills I'm going to keep in mind that athletes travel to games here in Massachusetts on a school bus together. I'm assuming they're not doing that this year. Workouts should be conducted in pods of athletes with the same five to ten athletes always working out together. This ensures more limited exposure if someone develops an infection. Locker rooms, locker rooms and changing areas may be used but may be limited or must be limited. Two of 50%. Capacity facility owners should ensure that the users can abide by the capacity of restrictions. All right. Reasonable enough. Benches. No benches should be used during practice. Players' items should be separated as below for personal items at least six feet apart. Benches should be permitted only during games. I got no issue with that. Practice field. Only essential personnel are permitted on the practice field. These are defined as athletes, coaches, medical personnel, athletic trainers, and officials. Sure, okay, we're doing okay so far. So far, I don't have too many issues with this. I think this is all a bunch of crap, but I don't have too many issues with complying. If I am, I'm trying to put myself in my 19 or 18-year-old body again, trying to go back in time to 2001, 2002, when when this would have applied to me. Okay, because as a coach, it's a much different reality. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the players here. Let's go to huddles. Social distancing, six feet between individuals must be maintained as much as possible. And face coverings utilized when a coach is communicating with the entire team. I don't know about you. Okay, I watched football since this COVID thing has ended. Okay, they've allowed the managers, I shouldn't say it has ended, since we've gotten back to playing football around the world, managers have always been able to to work without a mask. The rest of the staff has worn a mask. I think that's reasonable. When you're a player on the field and you're across the field, you you rely on reading your coach's lips as much as you do on hearing his voice. Now, picture it, you know. Nobody's playing in a full stadium right now. I understand that so you can hear better, but still. I can't even understand the cash. The lady at the cash register at a CVS or at a Walgreens or a, a 7-Eleven. You name it, Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons, whatever you want to call it. I can't even understand the person at the other side of the cash register with their mask on. They, that's all you hear. And now coaches are going to be coaching with masks. But that's not all. Let's go forward. Masks coverings. Okay. You guys ready for this? Athletes are required to wear cloth face coverings slash masks per EEA guidelines. Gaiters are acceptable face coverings comprised of multiple layers. And a tighter weave are more effective and preferred. They're even telling you what kind to wear. During play, when spacing between players is greater than 10 feet, athletes may momentarily take a a brief face covering relief. The default expectation is the mask will be on. They want players to play with masks on. They want your kids to run around. Even in September, it can get up into 70 degrees. It can get up close to 80 degrees sometimes. They want your kids to wear their mask while playing in a football match. A soccer game, as they call it in that world. They want them to wear a mask that's going to get soaked with sweat. So that your kid, your child, is breathing in his own sweat. That's a brilliant idea. Good thing these people have PhDs and and master's degrees to come up with this. Interaction with officials. That's nothing new. They don't want you talking to officials. Hand sanitizer and sanitizing wipes. Now we've seen this at the senior level. So let's, let's read it and let's hear it out. Athletes, coaches, and officials are encouraged to provide their own hand sanitizer. thats They're even telling you it better be at least 60% alcohol. I don't know if you get a yellow card if it's 59% alcohol. Or sanitizing the sideline. Additionally, it is emphasized to avoid touching the face throughout practice and competition. So when that sweat is going in your eyes because you're sweating and it's hot and you've got a face covering, which is you know raising the temperature on the surface of your face, it's going in your eyes, you better not reach in to touch it. You better just just suffer with the burn. This gets good. This gets good. All right. Let's go to equipment. That's pretty basic. I want to get to the fun stuff. I'm trying to be balanced here, but let's get to the fun stuff, okay? Wait till you hear these rules. Rules within the game, okay? Here's where it gets fun. It is a violation to intentionally head the ball. It will result in an indirect free kick for the opposing team. So no heading in soccer this year in the state of Massachusetts. No heading the ball. I guess COVID lives on the on the head. This is I mean this, there, there's a, there's common sense and then there is this this garbage. It is a violation to place your hands on any part of an opposing team uh, member's body. It will result in an indirect free kick to the opposing team. That's pretty much against the rules anyway. There's few occasions where you're allowed to actually put your hands on your opponent. It is a violation to intentionally make a body contact with an opposing team member. This includes shoulder-to-shoulder tackling, backing into them, or any other intentional contact it will result in an indirect free kick for the opposing team. However, a player is allowed to make unintentional contact with an opposing member if he is attempting to make a foot-to-ball contact, and the resulting contact with the opposing team member is below the torso. There, that's really interesting, because what happens if you accidentally make contact with a player below the torso? Let's talk about males for a second. Yeah, below the torso. I guess it's fair play if you, you deliver it there. If it's if it's inadvertent. Is a violation to attempt to or to slide tackle. This will result in a direct kick. Persistent infringement of any of the above modified rules will result in a yellow card. If anyone has never lived in the United States and played high school soccer. To these academics these know-it-alls that run these schools, a yellow card is like, is a you're called to the principal's office the next morning. It's 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 hysterical. They have no clue. Now you're going to have kids going to the, the principal's office because they lost their balance and they fell into an opponent. All players must all players on the field must properly wear face coverings on every restart. No restart may be taken prior to the official indicating that play may resume. So now you got to wait for the official. Not with the whistle because I'll get to that later. Officials are not, referees are not using whistles this year either. I've got to see one of these games to be honest with you. Because this sounds, if this actually happens, this sounds like a comedy skit more than a football match. There will be no throw-ins. When the ball crosses the touchline, the restart will be a kick-in. We're changing the game completely, which will be treated the same way as all other indirect free kicks, including that the opposing team members must be at least 10 yards from the ball on a, ki- a kick-in, as they call it. The ball will be placed at the spot of the touchline where the ball went out of bounds. All indirect kicks must be played on the ground except for a goal kick which is addressed below. Now they're even telling you how to take kicks. You have to play it on the ground. We're playing futsal on an 11 on 11 pitch it sounds like this season. Like I get, I get COVID and precautions. This is ridiculous. The fact whoever wrote this should be fired from their job. I don't want them educating my four-year-old son, much less high school kids, if they came up with this crap. It is a violation to kick a goal kick in the air beyond a midfield line. They're dictating style of play now. If the ball does travel in the air beyond the midfield line without a a player touching it, but you can't head it, remember, so I guess you're supposed to put your foot up into the air to get to it because you you can't head the ball, remember that. Because that's another brilliant rule they came up with. The resulting restart is an indirect kick for the opposing team at the spot where the ball crossed midfield. It is a violation for the goalkeeper to kick, punt, drop kick, or throw the ball in the air beyond the midfield line. If the ball does travel in the air beyond the midfield line without touching a player who, again, can't head it, the resulting restart is an indirect kick (laughs) for the opposing team from the spot of The infraction. It's an infraction. The use of a traditional defensive wall is not allowed on any restart. Don't you dare try to prevent the other team from scoring a goal. Players may attempt to impede the path of the ball (laughs) to the goal by standing in any way, but they must not be at least 10 yards away from the ball and at least 6 feet away from other players. Corner kicks are now an indirect free kick. Penalty kicks will be handled in the same manner of a penalty shootout in that the ball will be dead once it has hit the goalkeeper or a goal. No rebounds. No rebounds. Rebounds are illegal. Why, why the hell are they even trying to play this? Anyone who says this is better than nothing needs to re-examine that thought. If a player steps in the direction of the referee with the intent to complain or argue, the player will be given a yellow card. I guarantee that is not a rule that will be taken out when this COVID thing is over. You guys get the point. Basically, you can't play defense. You cannot take a, a long, you can't knock a long ball in the air, you can't head the ball. You can't back down a defender. If you've got a dribbler this year in Massachusetts high school, you are going to go all the way to the state finals. Because any type of defense is against the rules. Who in the right mind came up with this crap? There's no justification for this, okay? Uh, yes, I am a purist and and I have way too this game means too much to me and it the integrity of this game means way too much to me. This is a comedy skit what what these academics with these principles these these athletic directors along with their lawyers came up with. This is an insult. This is an absolute insult. I'll tell you right now, there's no way eighteen or nineteen year old me is gonna play under these rules. I'll go find I'll go play in another league, I'll go play in a men's league. They're playing already. USASA is playing already. Heck, I played adult league when I was in high school also in the offseason. I no no second thoughts. I wouldn't play this crap. Ruining it. You're better off postponing the season until the spring. If someone has to pick between playing soccer or baseball or lacrosse, so be it. That's better than than this joke uh, of a replacement that you've invented there. These are people educating. How can someone this dumb be an educator? Man, this gets my blood boiling. All right, we are going to take a break and um, real quick. And when we come back, we're going to quickly run through a couple of results from today. Then we're going to get to Mario up in Canada. He's got a CPL report. Later on, we got the Sunday night sports book now sponsored by betonline.ag. So we're, they're bringing you it for the first time tonight. All right, so stay right where you are. This is the Park in the Bus Podcast, episode 10. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino, and you can follow this podcast and the entire PTB Media Network on Twitter at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Park in the Bus podcast, episode ten. And I want to thank you for bearing with me through that rant. <laughs> um See, the the majority of my coaching career, a lot of time was spent at the high school level, okay? And that level is so near and dear to my heart. And the problem is I have seen it just deteriorate and been put in the hands of people who don't even like the sport, much less care how it is played, okay? Every rule rule change that has been made has been um, against the best interest of the game and of the players in that game. And in the best interest of those who make the rules and those who continue to earn a lot of money exp- I don't want to say exploiting but earning a lot of money okay in the business of high school athletics okay I forgot to mention they also canceled all championships this season so they are not playing for anything all these dumb rule changes and the the one thing I just want to stress the one takeaway I want everyone listening to take is that do not be fooled for one minute to think that these academics are are you know are doing this with the best interest of the players at heart absolutely not what they what's what's at their best interest at heart one they want to look like the hero like they made the season happen under all these circumstances when all these other leagues couldn't and when you know other sports couldn't they're going to they're going to put some sports out there they're going to modify them and they're going to say see we gave you an experience no they're there because they want to still make money okay i guarantee that in most public schools at least now kids have to pay money to come to participate in sports that is a portion of the budget among all the other portions of these uh, these school and these athletic department budgets that are missing they're trying to recoup funds. Don't for one minute be fooled into thinking that these schools and these leaders, quote unquote, have your child's best interests at heart or have the coach's best interests at heart or have anybody but their own best interests at heart. This is a purely political movement. It's, it's, it's disgraceful. And you know what? I'm not at that level anymore. And I now have the freedom to speak. Okay, I've gotten in trouble before. Before I was a podcaster and I was a coach, I got in trouble more than once for speaking my mind. But now what? You know what? Now you can't take this microphone away from me. I will speak the truth here to anybody that's listening, okay? And I may even try to get somebody on the show with me in the next couple of weeks to maybe explain this to me better. I'll try to get someone uh, from the world of high school soccer, as they call it. Uh, in here and maybe we can discuss this and maybe I can get a better understanding or maybe my theories will be proven true we'll just wait and see now early this morning I was up early let me tell you I was up 3:30 in the morning this morning okay why so I could be awake and somewhat alert by 4:30 this morning because 430 a.m. Eastern time this morning here in Boston United States of America. I turned on my TV, I, I tuned to ESPN Plus to watch live the Australian A-League final from Sydney, Australia. I believe that made it 6.30 p.m. their time there down under, and it was Sydney FC one, Melbourne City nil, so... Man City Light Light, if New York City FC is Man City Light. Man City Light Light in Australia, still zero titles. And the match was won in extra time by Sydney FC. A, a goal, a pretty cool uh Skillful goal off the chest of Ryan Grant. That was the goal scorer the ball. It was a diagonal ball that came in near the far post. And as he was making his diagonal run onto the ball, Ryan Grant managed to just swing his body in a certain way. So the ball came down on his chest. And the way he he kind of torqued his body and the way he kind of twisted his hips, he managed to get full force behind that ball. And with his chest, he bent that ball around the goalkeeper, and into the back of the net. I will have a full review of this match this week here on this space. It'll be a PTB Australian A-League Grand Final review. So be on the lookout for that. Also today, I also want to report one other result today. There were lots of results, but an important one. This came from Spain. It was the Women's Champions League Final today. Okay, and this was coming from... The Real Seguros Stadium. And it was Olympic León taking on Wolfsburg. And it was Wolfsburg won Olympic León 3. Olympic León win the title again. They win it again. They win this title every year. This was their 7th triumph. In this competition, and I'm double. Che- I'm fact checking right now, and I believe it is. It was there, one, two, three, four, fifth in a row, fifth Champions League title in a row for Olympic Lyon. Seventh overall. Congratulations to Leblanc. Congratulations to Olympic Lyon. Another title. They are the class of women's football in the world yes i'm looking at you north carolina okay yes you've got a good team but i'll put my money on olympic leon they play year round they don't play for a couple months a year okay north carolina's got a very good team here in the in the in wsl all right but but leon does this year in year out they're more of a team They have more chemistry than any NWSL team can can have. It's impossible with the short schedule they play. All right, Um, and they've just built they've just built a beautiful dynasty that I think deserves to be commended. And now the ante is raised, and it is up to the other big clubs in Europe to dethrone Olympic Lyon. The next edition of the Women's Champions League kicks off in October. And it will feature a certain club from Portugal that I know very well. And I can't wait to see how they do. Um, they're going to be debuting in this competition. Okay, They are a team. It's an interesting project. It's a team that just started two, years, two seasons ago. Having to gain promotion into the first division in their first season of existence. They also won the National Cup last year when women's football was canceled by the FPF. By the Portuguese Football Federation. Benfica were top of the table. He may have been on goal difference and head-to-head, but they were top of the table, and they will be the representative in this new edition of the UEFA Women's Champions League. I'm looking forward to it. All right, now it's time to go to Canada. It's time to catch up with our friend Mario Mota up there in Ontario, and we're going to catch his Canadian Premier League review for this week. Mario, take it away.
1: Buddy, we got another edition of the Canadian Premier League here on the Parking the Bus Network. Uh, exciting times right now as the league is starting to come together and wrap up this first stage. I know this is only the third. Uh, coverage of the league itself. However, with this condensed schedule, these teams are each playing eight matches, and the majority of clubs have now played anywhere from five to six games. We got Atletico Ottawa just kicking off right now with Forge FC to complete their fifth game. They'll put Forge in their sixth game, uh, so just uh, two to three games remaining for each of these clubs. So I'll get right into it with uh, the main news right now at the moment being Edmonton FC having had a terrible second season only one point gathered with the matches that are left over right now it is mathematically impossible for Edmonton to actually now win the Canadian Premier League Uh, so they are uh, struggling quite hard uh, to be honest Uh, it is actually the one club that when they entered the Canadian Premier League last year and started this uh, franchise had a bit of a pre-existing experience having been a 2010 new club in the NASL franchise uh, side, and having done quite well within that league competing on a regular basis, they were expected to be one of the more experienced sides. What they had done was basically folded their NASL club the year before the first year of the Canadian Premier League, kept some of the staff, some players... Retweaked it, and when the Canadian Premier League launched, they had more infrastructure than some of the other ones. And to be honest, they actually struggled way more than expected in their first season, and now their second season. Uh, so it is quite a bit of a surprise uh, to see how they're doing at the moment. Um, right now, you've had the coach, which is uh, Jeffrey Paulus, uh, in charge throughout this time period. He was an assistant at the main club and also their academy uh, for quite. Uh, quite a bit of their history actually since 2011 uh, and took over in 2018 running uh, the club itself so I'm kind of curious if it's time for a change or if they'll continue to give them a a third chance at bat here. Uh, but then looking at the Canadian Premier League, uh, their rivals in Alberta, if you go further south, is the Calgary, and they are out of Calgary themselves. Uh, they've had a great start to this season, just like last year, where they were the clear league leaders. Uh, same event has taken place here, except this time they've actually dropped a few more points. They're currently with six games played and 10 points. Forge, as we're speaking, is about to kick off. Uh, They are with five games played and eight points. Uh, Same with Pacific FC having five games played and eight points. As we look through the table itself, it's the top four of the eight that actually advance to the next stage. And in this setup, if we look at the second last team, Atletico Ottawa, they have five points. Fourth place, which advances, has seven points. Right now, it's anyone's game for the remaining seven clubs in the last few games. So of these matches throughout this week and next weekend, we will have a top four, but it is mathematically possible to see any of these other teams eliminated or advance. And though Calvary started incredibly strong at the beginning of this uh, second season, they have dropped the last few games, uh, putting them in a bit of a tighter predicament. Now if we switch over to the actual statistics of the league itself I think on my last show it was very top heavy with Calvary and Forge FC clearly leading the way with their uh, stats and things of sort uh, but since the last broadcast and all the games we've had within this past week it's now a really open game not only on the table but when you look at goals right now it's a York 9 player and Joseph uh, that's up in the um, uh, pole position with three goals with a few other players actually tied for three goals I think we got a, a five way race at the moment but due to minutes he's the one that has the top uh item there and then we got four players tied uh for first with the assists um francisco uh from atletico ottawa Uh, vitor from pacific fc uh from halifax and uh from uh valor there um and we got an individual marco Bassos with the most shots for Pacific FC, we have Calvary FC leading uh, player as the uh, individual with Dominic, which has the most passes in the game itself, um, and uh, the individual from uh, Nova Scotia, uh, Christovic uh, from uh, Halifax there. Um, basically getting the most tackles at the moment. So it's just a wide range of stats that we are seeing, which is uh, it's quite impressive. Um, and when you break it down to club level, uh, you have Forge with the most goals, Pacific with the most shots. Uh, Valor actually with the most goals conceded, uh, still with Atletico Ottawa leading the way with the most red cards, but Valor now is up to 11 yellow cards, so uh, they're having a bit of a, a, a struggle there. You uh, did have actually... Um, Edmonton FC surpass Calvary uh, and uh, Forge on the passing accuracy, even though their um, situation on the table hasn't improved relatively uh, much. Uh, so yeah, overall, it's been uh, just an exciting past week, loads of uh, games and lots of uh, changing within the table itself. Uh, again, it will be the top four that will be advancing, and by next weekend, we'll be able to likely tell you what those uh, clubs are uh, and those four will play a group stage with the top two advancing to the Canadian Premier League final shortly and the winner of that will either face uh, TFC Montreal Impact or the Whitecaps and it does look like TFC might be their opponent in that final game but uh, outside of that that's everything I have for you guys this week again thank you so much for tuning in to this show everything that everyone else contributes uh, to the parking the bus and again have a wonderful week and we'll look forward to catching to you shortly.
0: Thank you, Mario, once again for that update. Thank you for keeping us up to date on the Canadian Premier League, and it's getting exciting. And I am looking forward to see how it all plays out up there uh, as that league progresses towards its crescendo a little bit later on in in the fall here, and we'll see who is going to be crowned champion once again of the Canadian Premier League, and who's going to face the MLS team from canada that wins the sort of round robin between the three mls franchises to face the canadian premier league champion for the voyagers cup i think this that's going to be a real interesting uh real interesting series of events that i'm really going to be looking at and i'm looking forward to seeing how that all unfolds now before we go to the sports book. I am gonna run through this weekend's Major League Soccer results. There's not much results I'm gonna report on this weekend because we got so much other content going on, and we've got a real long uh, sports book segment coming up in just a minute. But first, let's uh, review this weekend's Major League Soccer results. Starting on Friday, that would have been August the 28th, and it was Montreal nil, Toronto FC one. On Saturday, Atlanta United 1, Orlando SC 3, Cincinnati nil, Columbus nil in a battle for Ohio, NYCFC, New York City FC 3, Chicago Fire 1, Philadelphia Union 4, DC United 1, New England Revolution 1, New York Red Bulls 1, FC Dallas 3, Minnesota United 1. Colorado Rapids 1, Sporting Kansas City 1, Los Angeles Galaxy 3, San Jose Earthquakes 2, Portland Timbers 4, Rail Salt Lake 4, and one match, two matches left to play tonight. Uh, Kicking off in just a few minutes, about a half hour, Nashville SC hosts Inter-Miami CF, and late night tonight, the West Coast game 10 pm. Uh, Eastern time, 7 p.m. Pacific Seattle Sounders host LAFC. All right, without further ado, let's move forward and let's go to this week's Sunday night sportsbook powered by betonline.ag. Remember last week Leo was unable to join us due to some pretty horrible weather here in, in New England. Uh, he was without power. Now uh, I was able to catch up with him yesterday. Okay, so this conversation was yesterday. It's a little bit more lengthy than usual, but I think you're gonna enjoy it. We hit on quite a few topics. Um, it's coming up right now, so let's take that away again. Powered by Bet Online, BetOnline.ag, our new sponsor. This is the Sunday Night Sportsbook with Leo Kukakis of DGen's United. <laughs> And welcome back to another edition of the Sunday Night Sports Book here on the PTB Parking the Bus podcast. It's powered by BetOnline.ag. Let's welcome our guest this week. We missed him last week. Uh, terrible weather here in New England resulted in him being unable to to connect with us last week. But he's back. It's Leo Kokaki. from from Dgens United. Leo, what's up? Uh, what's up,
2: Capitano? How we feeling today? How my fellow Dgens feeling? It's feeling been a quality excellent.
0: week. It has been a quality week, has it not? Uh, What have you been up to, man? We haven't talked in about two weeks.
2: Man, it has been a struggle. All these boycotts really throwing a wrench into things. We start off the week uh, 15-5. and We were red hot. Next thing you know, here comes the boycott. We suffer an 0-5 day on Friday. Saturday, we're good. Um, it, it, It has been crazy. It has been hectic. It is just, I'm excited. Today is Saturday. We are finally getting back to normal. I'm very, very excited. Um, how you been, Mister Vacation?
0: Great. Oh, vacation! Come on now. <laughs> a, every every day's a work day in my life. You know that.
2: It's all right, man. Yeah.
0: Now it's been good. You know, took the little guy to the to the beach this week. Uh, my little four year old. As uh, people probably don't know, it's about an hour from here, so I made it into about a two and a half hour trip. Uh, we took a nice little uh, scenic route through Maine, through New Hampshire, came back down Route One along the coast. Nice. Nice afternoon with my, my four-year-old little guy. He loved it, but it's back to work now, ain't it?
2: Yeah, man. Future
0: Quinaldo, he's got to take a back seat so we can talk about the current Quinaldo. Let's go. There you go. So let's pick up where we would have been last week, all right, had you not lost power due to a, a, thunder, a real bad thunderstorm. Um, Europa League final, Sevilla and Inter. What were your thoughts on that one?
2: What a crazy game. Huh? Ah, Lukaku, you've had such a good year. You have finally shut up all those idiots at Manchester United that hated you, and you end up losing on an own goal that you put in on a scissor kick that you had no business sneaking your foot out at. You clown. I was all over Inter in that final, too. I I was stunned, especially with Lucas Ocampos being injured. I didn't think that Sevilla had any type of chance without Lucas Ocampos. Next thing you know, it was just 2-2. It was a hectic game, and then the scissor kick at the end, and I was like, are you kidding me, you clown? Just brutal, but you know what? Sevilla had a fantastic year. They were really underrated in La Liga, mm. especially coming out of the um, coming out of the big break. They've been absolutely spectacular. So, not a huge surprise that they end up winning it, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had said, you know, my my mind was telling me Inter were the better team and that they should win. But I learned a long time ago not to count out Sevilla in a Europa League final. They they own this competition for whatever reason. Yeah. Six finals, six victories. It's 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 unbelievable and. It's a redemption for Juan Lopategui, the, the manager there, um, after everything he went through, you know, being sacked by, by Spain on the eve of the World Cup and then sacked by Real Madrid, what, three matches into his, his time there. So it's a good moment for him. Uh, a lot of good players on that team. But I, I thought that Inter was going to – I thought – they would they would have come closer to winning to be – I know it was a close game, but I thought Inter – the way they started the match, Lukaku, you know, put, putting the ball in, in the goal right off the bat, and it looked like if Sevilla were not careful, this was going to turn into a blowout early on. But then the tide turned, and it went the complete other way on them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really – it didn't feel like after that first five minutes that Inter was in control of the match at any point. Right. Which was really, really surprising to me because I really – to be fair, in the last couple months of the year, Inter should have been a more defensive team. They have that really, really good center backs. They have a quality goalie. Antonio Conte is obviously known as a defensive manager. But if you look at their numbers over the last couple months after the restart, they, they were not very good defensively, which I found absolutely stunning.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of that three-man back line. Um... It, when it works, it's great, but you're facing a three-man attack in Sevilla, and you know one-on-one, that that's not a good matchup. So I, you know, they had to adjust. But in the end, Sevilla just finds a way to do it again. And again, it's an own goal off of Lukaku, which is cruel because you know he he had started the match so well. But at the other end, you got uh, you got uh, what's his name, Diego. No, his name's escaping me. He scores the goal there—the the scissor kick.
2: Oh yeah! Oh, I forgot his name too. Oh, this is why we have the internet.
0: Yeah, oh, I know. Boy. I know he played for Porto B, but that's all I know. Of course, <laughs> but, of
2: course, that's the one thing that you pick up on the guy.
0: That's that's the only thing I know. But anyway, he uh, Diego Carlos is his name, I think. Yep. There we go. Okay, right. so he he causes the penalty, right? He's caused, he has an unbelievable record of, of causing three penalties in all three matches of this final, this final series of the Europa League. But instead of being the goat, he ends up being the hero at the end with that scissor kick that goes off Lukaku and in, in for a goal, and Sevilla lift the trophy for the sixth time. I'm still aggravated that Lukaku stuck out his foot.
2: For what? For what, stupid? There's nobody behind you. Like literally, I've, I've rewatched it ten times, and I get more and more agitated every single time I watch. Like, what are you doing, dude? What? I was all over Inter. I said, "There's no way Inter doesn't win this." Gonte's gonna have them set up defense, and then here you go, Lukaku scoring on himself.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it went down. Um, we also had our Dutch friend there, uh, De Jong scoring again. Remember, he was a substitute in the sem- in the semifinal. Yeah, and then he gets a rare start and he scores he scores in the final and uh, scores two goals two goals in the final for De Jong and he hadn't scored a goal in Europe since 2014 before that semi-final
2: yeah i got to wonder sh- what inter looks like next year too huh
0: <laughs> yeah i'm really cu- i'm really curious as to where they go from here because i think they're right there they're right on the cusp of catching juventus in in italy it ended up being a one point uh, difference this season but that part of that's because uh juventus packed up you know three weeks to yeah. go and they they dropped like every single point after that. But um, they're right there in with Serie A starting up, you know, in the next couple of weeks. I think this is a year they can really push Juventus to, to uh, overtake them and win the Scudetto back. But it's going to be – we're going to see what the two teams do here in the market to strengthen yeah. themselves. Well, like
2: we were just talking about off the air, you know, Antonio Conte, they were talking about getting rid of him to get rid of some salaries. So he ends up saying that he's coming back. So what's that mean for the players? You know, my main, my main question is is Laturo coming back? Because Laturo is the star man. Without Laturo, that team that team's not even gonna finish second. That kid is unbelievable. He's the future yeah, he's of huge. Argentina.
0: He's huge. And his partnership with Lukaku is, is impressive. You know, Lukaku has always been a striker who plays by himself. Yeah. And he's never done well with partners, whether it's at Man United, at Everton, at Chelsea. You name it. He has not done well partnering with someone, but now all of a sudden you put him with La Toro and all of a sudden he can play with a partner and they play off each other so well. Yeah. So let's move from there, Leo. Let's go to the next, the next night or it was two nights later. Let's go to my city, to Lisbon, and the Champions League final. And it was Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, what were your thoughts before the final? What were your thoughts after it?
2: My thoughts before the final were, I liked PSG in the final. I kind of felt like the stars were starting to align for them. I felt good about Mbappe. We kind of noticed halfway through the game, though, like, uh uh-oh, something's wrong with him. You could see him limping a little bit, Mm -hmm. trying to make history. You got to wonder if the pressure kind of got to him. And then Manuel Neuer, dude. I mean, this guy just doesn't stop making huge saves. Yeah. I mean, I would love to get on Neymar, but honestly, that was a ridiculous save.
0: No, the, yeah, and this is stuff. one game I can't really put any blame on Neymar. I mean, um, we've seen the best of him. We've seen the worst of him. He, he has quite the extremes. Yeah. But I thought that, really, PSG were unsuccessful in getting him the ball in dangerous positions, other than in, in little pockets of the match. Same thing with Di Maria. They got him set up early, but then they got away from going to their key attackers. And like you said, I think Mbappe was not – anywhere near a hundred percent and something was off you know i was really i was really wrong too because when i did the breakdown i did
2: a full breakdown um on a couple different channels i did it for the podcast and i did it on the btv network Mm -hmm. if you guys haven't checked it out be sure to check that out because i got a bunch of videos there but um i was all over them for not starting and going with london paredes man i was wrong he was one of the best players on the field the other day yeah paredes was good yeah he was fantastic. He was switching the play, and honestly, the game kind of switched up the second that he came off. Marco Verratti, they put him on way too late. Um, you could tell that he was hampered as well, so there wasn't a whole yeah, lot there.
0: I didn't, I didn't really understand that substitution too much because they needed something more going forward, and they brought in another deep lying midfielder in Veratti. And I'm not—I wasn't sure what Tuco was trying to do there, um, but he was just—I think he was just trying to do something because. Bayern Munich were set up well, okay? Even when they don't play well, they're, they're set up well. And the press was all over this matchup of Mbappe versus Alphonso Davies. That was the matchup everyone wanted to see. And I think – and I paid close attention. You know, being in North America, we, we pay attention to someone like Alphonso Davies um, because he's, he's, you know, he's been shot out of a rocket essentially. Yeah. And he's, he's catapulted to such a high level. But I thought he, he didn't have a very good game in this final for me. He made a lot of mistakes. Uh, errant passes, his defending was questionable at times. But, like you said, Mbappe was not at his best. And neither he, him, nor Di Maria were able to exploit that left side of Bayern's defense where um, I thought they could have and I thought they were going to.
2: Honestly, you got to give a lot of credit to Bayern's coach too because Bayern, uh, since the restart, they've been going with Ivan Petisic on the wing. Yeah. And the coach um, the coach recognizes that – hey, you know what, if I put Kingsley Coman and I can use Kingsley's speed to get up um, get up quicker and I can put him against Carrer, I always mispronounce that dude's name. I, I think, think it's Ke- it.
0: I know exactly who you're talking about. I struggle with that one too.
2: Yeah, but um, that was a brilliant move because Perisic's not as, not as fast. I think Kerrer would have had more success against Ivan Perisic because of the lack of speed. So to start Kingsley Coman when Kingsley hasn't started since the restart... Dude, ton of credit. Bayern doesn't drop a point in the entire Champions League. First teams to ever do that. Perfect record, um, yep. They were absolutely incredible. Serge Gnabry, dude, you were awesome.
0: Yeah, I, he had a great, great tournament.
2: I, I love Tony Koulis. I loved him. Um, dude, how stupid do you look, man? How, how bad do you look? Five years after you say that he, he's not at the level to play at West Brom, this dude's lifting the Champions League trophy with Bayern yeah, Munich. Like, exactly. yeah,
0: dude, that's tough.
2: That's a kick in the nuts right there, dude.
0: Yeah, and you talk about Kinsley Coman, and he gets, of course, the winner. Uh, he gets the the game-winning goal there on the header at the far post. And I thought that uh, PSG's marking let them down there a little bit. Yeah, just tough one too for Thiago Silva, who's now a Chelsea player. Yeah, um, yeah, that's news. Yeah, free yesterday,
2: free transfer too. Um, yeah, but yeah, just overall disappointing game from PSG. But I got to say, I did expect this to be a low-scoring file, yeah. lower scoring than people thought. It was played really, really well. I thought it was a mm-hmm. high-quality game throughout. A lot of back and forth, not a whole lot of finishing, but a ton of goalkeeper saves. Kayla Navas had a pretty good game as well. But Manuel Neuer, he stood out. He was the man of the match. He, he won the game for Bayern Munich, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic. And there was, there was, I can think of one play. The ball got in uh, behind the back line, and he's about 40 yards out of his goal, and he comes out and clears it. No other yeah. goalkeepers out that far and, and under the, with that kind of, you know, that type of calm and, and composure to just, you know, play it with his feet. He's the best in the world when it comes to that. He shows why. Um, any other goalkeeper, I think that's a breakaway. And it's a whole different outcome.
2: Something else I noticed, too. I mean, I've always been a huge Nicolas Sula fan. I, I love him when he's in shape. Mm-hmm. He, was it just me or he looked really out of shape for that game? He looked like he had an
0: extra five ten pounds on him. Well, he um, well, yeah, he. That that explains perhaps why Hansi Flick went with with Jerome Boateng to start the match, knowing Boateng hasn't been able to finish a match in in a while. Okay, he was he was pulled from the quarterfinal, and I don't think he even appeared in the semifinal, Boateng that is, and then he has to he pulls up lame again in the final. So no. I he probably was out of shape and that's probably why flick went with Boateng and not with him uh, to start the match.
2: I know that he had an injury. I know that we've all put on the Corona 15, but yeah. I mean, dude, dude, you're playing in the champions league final and you, you know, you, you got a little chub on you, bro. Yeah. You got to calm down. Got to go hit the weights, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. Oh, was tough. I really thought, I really expected Neymar and Mbappe. Once Sula came in the game again, this was part of my breakdown. I really expected Neymar and Mbappe, V. Maria, to go straight at him. I expected Alfonso Davis to get caught out at some point because that's what he does. Oh yeah. Um, to to Davis credit, I thought his position positioning was fantastic throughout the match. Um, I thought it was a big reason why Nicolas Sula didn't get exposed. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean,
0: while that Davis could also didn't... be that could also be why I'm saying that I didn't see as much from him. He his role may have been. You know, his instructions may have been to stay yeah. home more and to work more with his, his defense partner there and not to get caught going forward as much. Given the danger that, you know, uh, PSG has in attack, it could have been that that the plan for Davies was to not attack as much. I know he he gave a few balls away, but he does keep his composure well. And yeah. he slides back into position and he, he does his job. So he's a very consistent player. And, man, Bayern Munich, are they not just the – team you everyone wishes their team was yeah I'm not saying everyone's a Bayern Munich fan but you can't tell me you don't wish your team was just like them you know they do everything right so much talent
2: they always work hard they always and another player that nobody's mentioned that deserves so much credit is Joshua Kimmich yeah dude what a player man how many times Mm -hmm. does this dude step up and score an important goal or set up an important goal Mm -hmm. I mean my mind also goes back to the Dortmund game where he chips it over Roman Berkey who fell asleep um yeah, I'm irritated. I had Thorman in that game. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, every single time Josh Kimmich knows his role, he I hate making these kind of comparisons because Philip Lahm was so great. But honestly, I'm starting to think Joshua Kimmich is better than this guy was. He has been absolutely phenomenal. He steps up in every big game. He deserves so much cre- so much more credit than he gets.
0: Yeah, no, he he's a fantastic player. And again, Bayern just doing such a great job with their young players. Yeah. Uh ever since Basically, ever since Ancelotti left, and they started, they started trusting young players. They've come along; they've come a long way, and you can see it. And it, there's like there's really no end in sight to their dominance. If you ask me, I I don't see any German team making the kind of moves and the kind of commitment they need to make to catch Bayern. And they you know, they're not going to go after. Bayern's not going to go in the market and make huge splashes but they are going to get the right pieces that they need for their team and they're going to get great value for every player that they go out and purchase.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're so good across the pitch. I mean, there's not a weakness. You got lawyer in net. Your back line is set up as long as uh, Nicolas Sula drops a few pounds and gets back into shape, which inevitably he will. I'm kind of picking on the guy. Um, But then, you know, you look at them in the center, in the center of the field, right in front of that back line, Again, you have Joshi Kimitry, yeah, he's playing right back, but he's his main position is the central defensive mid. Mm-hmm. And then you still have guys like Thiago and Goretzka. Goretzka can get forward. Thiago is Underrated awesome. player, Goretzka. Yeah, love him. And then you have Thiago, who's like a mini maestro, mm-hmm. and he understands exactly what the game needs. When you need to push forward, he has the ability to push it. When you need to slow it down, he knows when to take it back. I mean, his IQ is through the roof. I absolutely love Thiago.
0: And they got a they got a guy coming in joining them now that you know very well, don't they?
2: Yes, they do. <laughs> you better believe it, baby. Um, but, yeah, like you were saying, Bayern Munich just – there's no end in sight for these guys. They're unbelievable. So where do you see Sané uh,
0: fitting in on this team?
2: Sané, I want you to know, dude, <laughs> I love you, okay? You were very underappreciated in Manchester City. I was not one of those that underappreciated you, okay? I love you, buddy. You were the engine that made that team go. Yeah, Bayern Munich, yeah, dude, he's just going to fit in perfectly where Perisic and Coman were. Uh, Sané is going to take over that role. He's going to be absolutely brilliant. He's going to become a superstar in the world, and it is going to hurt me every time I watch Bayern Munich because we let him get away. He's phenomenal. He, he runs all over the pitch. He doesn't stop running. His left foot is magic. He scored so many fr- good free kicks, quality free kicks. He has so much pace to get behind the defense. Uh, he understands when to cross, when to go for goal. Again, he's, in the, he's the perfect Bayern Munich player. He's Perfect Bayern Munich player. He, he's going to succeed and it's going to kill me inside knowing that we let him go.
0: A lot of let's talk about your, your second club there, your your English club. Let's talk about Manchester City for a moment because there's a lot of rumors swirling. Yes, there are. About a certain Argentine that about a
2: certain Argentine has got a certain good manager,
0: you know, is very keen to, to to work with again. Now tell me honestly, is it too much to give up Gabriel Zazuz, yes. uh, Bernardo Silva, <laughs> and who's the third man in that deal? Eric Garcia. And right to give up those three to bring in leonel messi don't forget about the 100 million too and 100 million And and 100 that, million
2: is that no too way. much
0: too much for Leo messi way too much
2: yeah way too much it kills me inside messi oh man when the news first broke my first thought was man i wish my father was here to see this because he'd be rolling around because he loved messi and he handed manchester city <laughs> i got he used to give me speeches on a weekly basis Messi never gonna leave Barcelona, Messi never gonna leave Barcelona. Oh,
0: dude. And he dude. hasn't left yet. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves.
2: If we're being completely honest, I don't see him leaving Barcelona
0: I, right now. I honestly don't either. I mean, there's a lot of speculation, but this is the guy who quit international football because he missed a penalty kick in the Copa America final.
2: Twice now? Twice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so, this is how he reacts to when things don't go well. Y-
2: I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, like, if he doesn't move, this is such a bad look for him it, he, because yes. of what happened on the international level. How it many looks times petulant. He done this yeah. with Barcelona?
0: Right. He's renewed, like, every year of his career. <laughs> They've renewed his contract almost every single summer. Yeah. Something like-, like 13 renewals in 15 years.
2: It kind of feels a little different this year because, yeah. again, Manchester City had the uh, New York City FC connection. So once I heard that they were talking about after three years they send them over uh, to the MLS yeah, to New York, yeah. that's when I was like, okay, this is getting serious. This is more than just Messi throwing his weight around. But honestly, that's way too much. I'm not giving up Bernardo Silva. I don't understand. <laughs> I know that you guys are Portuguese. I know you have a lot of Portuguese listeners. Dude, Bernardo Silva is... The, oh, why are we getting rid of Sané? Why are we getting rid of Bernardo? Can't we get rid of Aladdin and send him back to Leicester City? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, honestly, this is so frustrating. Well, oh, I just don't know what Pep's doing. I don't know what Pep's strategy is anymore. It is driving me absolutely bananas. And it's like, okay, dude. I, honestly, I heard a rumor the other day that Pochettino was going to come in and uh, substitute for Pep. This wasn't the other day. This was a couple weeks ago after mm-hmm. we got bounced by Lyon. And I thought to myself, yeah, sounds good. Please, bring in Pe- Pochettino. Maybe somebody that'll play our best players in big games. Yeah, Pe-
0: cool. Pep over, it seems to be overthinking things, and he seems to be uh, unsure of what to do. And to make a move like this, to bring in Lionel Messi at this stage of his career, to a league where, quite frankly, he's just going to get kicked every weekend, he's, he's going to get hacked left and right. And to give up that much, uh, it makes no sense. You're putting everything into one season. And I know it's getting desperate for him because he went to Manchester City not to win the, the Premier League, not to win the FA Cup, but to win the Champions League. And he hasn't done it yet. In fact, he's, he's struggling to even get close. And, but I don't think Lionel Messi at this stage of his career is enough to – I don't even think they're a better team if they make that switch. Never mind good enough to go, you know, all the way in this competition. Manchester
2: City, when Pep came in, he had a very, very clear idea as to what he wanted to do. He wanted to get the players that were going to be able to press forward, the guys that had a lot of fitness, the players up top, where he could play that false number nine. That's why he originally brought in Gabriel. Um, I, I just, I don't understand this. It just doesn't make sense. You're giving up three of our best young players. I'm perfectly fine giving up Gabriel Jesus. I mean, I do enjoy him. I think he's a quality player, but he's also not—he's not at that level yet. He belongs more in like that second tier, like the Valencias, the Real, the—you um, know what I mean? Not the big, mm-hmm. big team, not that top middle of the group. table crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Champions League spots, but not really the Champions
0: League. Mm-hmm. Like a Tottenham.
2: Yeah, like a Benfica.
0: We got to get there first.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing around, man. Oh, no, yeah. I,
0: I, <laughs> The way it is this year, one game playoff. Yeah, we got to get there first.
2: Also, Capitano, I know we haven't talked about this, and we should probably talk about this off the air because it's completely off topic. <laughs> when I heard the news that uh, the Cavani deal might be off, it took everything in my po- <laughs> everything in my power not to call you laughing because it happened at three a.m. when I found out. Yeah, and I could not stop laughing. I'll I was talk about, about that here.
0: <laughs> I'll talk about that here because I haven't talked about it to be honest, on Mister Vanfik. I've stayed away from that because it's just been one giant soap opera and a lot of people that I have a lot of confidence in hinted very strongly. I think there was a deal and I think something fell apart yeah. and, and I'm starting to think, and it's starting to look like maybe he and his brother were playing the club a little bit um, because nobody else is really pushing for him either. Right. And the president's desperate. So he needs, he needs somebody to attach to himself because he's got to run for reelection in October and he's not a very popular president right now. Um, he's not. He is, it's, it's a fact. And he has this solid base of followers that are hardcore and that will follow, support anything he does. But then he has a very strong opposition right now. But as that thing started unfolding, like, I kind of disconnected from it because one day he's gone. The next day, it's it's a done deal. The next day, oh well, now the terms are ten million a year. Then it's oh well, he'll he'll take eight million, but the club are offering five. Or it's just numbers get thrown out, and you start to see that somewhere there's somebody just making this all up because they're trying to sell newspapers. And he was supposed to arrive one weekend, and then the week went by, and it's like oh he'll be he'll be done by next week. Then the there was the photoshopped a uh, setup I sent you that somebody Photoshopped with his, you know, him already yeah. ready. To welcome. <laughs> and what's funny oh, is Bafika be- have done a great job in the transfer market this summer, I think, right. If you take away this, this huge, this huge, uh, Distraction or this huge attempt to bring in someone like Cavani, right? If that had never been mentioned, we'd be ecstatic with what we got. We got Jan Vertagen coming in on a free yeah. transfer. We've brought in Everton from from Grêmio in, in Brazil. There are plenty of teams in Europe trying to get him. We managed mm-hmm. to land him. Brought in another Brazilian, Pedrinho, who is going to be a, a star in the future. And you know, we, I'm pretty happy with the transfers we brought in. We need another player or two. But I was pretty happy where we were. But, of course, there was this overlying cloud of Cavani the entire time. And it looked like this was being set up to – and it still may be. I'm, this still may be what happens. It's being set up to be this last-minute, like, heroic signing at the, at the 11th hour that the president has – look, he saved the club. He's brought in Edison Cavani. And, you know, it was close. They got your attention. They sign a couple players. They present a couple players. Okay, but there's more coming. And, uh, you know, it started <laughs> by bringing in the manager. While the last season was still running, we signed our manager. Yeah. Our old, we brought George Azouz, our old manager, back. And he's not coming to, to, to manage, you know, a youth team like we've had the last couple of years. So when you bring in that manager in, he wanted $100 million spent in transfers to to reinforce his team. And he as of this week, he's now unhappy with the president because they haven't Delivered in terms of transfers. But we keep hearing about Cavani. Oh, there's a plane. Like, there was one this week which made me laugh. They're like, the private jet that they (laughs) think they use to bring George Azouz from Rio de Janeiro back to Portugal was just spotted in (laughs) a where Cavani and his brother are staying. (laughs) Oh, and, it's like, <laughs> and then they're like, it's scheduled for a return flight to Lisbon at midnight tonight. And it's like somewhere, somebody is writing this like a script and, and yeah. they're playing everybody. And to be honest, I have no idea where this is going on. I mean, I've kind of, I have given up on the idea of Cavani joining. Um, we have a, a, youth, a youth striker who did really well in the youth league, uh, Gonzalo Ramos, he scored two goals in the first division this year. Went back to the youth team for the youth league. He scored two against Real, right? He scored two against Real. He scored two against uh, Dinamo Zagreb in the quarterfinal. He, he had eight totally joint leader in the entire competition. We don't get Cavani. We get a chance for this kid to maybe make a, a play into the team and to split time with, with Carlos Vinicius up top. Um, right now, I'm happy with what I see. We got a friendly match tomorrow against Bournemouth. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I should say by the time you hear this, it was earlier today, but we're recording on Saturday, Um, so we'll be playing Bournemouth, and then we'll see where that goes. But yeah, uh, this this turned into this Cavani thing turned into one giant soap opera, which it was destined to be from the beginning. But so so the reason that I brought that up was Mm -hmm.
2: because a I knew you were going to rant on it, and I thought it'd be (laughs) kind of fun. But b how you feel about Cavani to Benfica is how I feel about Messi to Manchester City. It's kind of the same thing. I feel like things are just yeah. getting put out there. Reporters are hearing small little things and trying to make it into a big thing to be the first one that's going to land the story. Um,
0: and agents play with, with the press in these because they want to drive yeah. that price up. So if they can make up that somebody's interested, they'll convince you that you're interested in their flair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll yeah, no, the rumor themselves. You'll really be like, oh, really? We can get messy for that? Let's have some, you know And all of a sudden you're interested Where it didn't even cross your mind before Yeah,
2: that's exactly what I'm thinking about Messi Mm -hmm. Exactly how you feel against Cavani That's exactly how I feel uh, with Messi but uh yeah man we got a bunch of stuff to actually focus on that's happening this week too.
0: We do we we got a return to international football for the first time in I don't know how long, a year maybe. When was our last international match day? Back in November I think. So, so uh, what while, are you looking man. at in the in the it looks like it's mostly your uh UEFA Nations League. Yeah, so I mean we got underway. the UEFA
2: Nations League back September 3rd. I believe that is Thursday. Yeah. So um there's a bunch of different matchups that I'm looking at. Guys, you're going to notice that I'm going to be looking off to my left. It's because I got all my numbers over here. Yeah, that's why. But, Both of um, you watching on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the big one on Thursday is going to be Spain against Germany. I actually have a really good play I have play that, that start one. also. Yeah, I'm very excited about that one. I'm all over Germany. I think that the German – it's kind of similar to Bayern Munich, how they were embarrassed. Bayern Munich – Set, sets up very well. You know where you're going to get from Bayern Munich, and half of the Bayern Munich team is German. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, I'm looking at them. I'm expecting big things from Germany coming out of this Nations League. I'm expecting them to start taking this seriously. Spain is definitely on the downfall right yeah, now. Yeah, You gonna look say. at some of these guys on, on the Spanish team, and I don't know. I still see the Spanish flag, and I still think of the tiki-taka style, the Fernando Torres, David Villa, that stuff. And I know that Xavi, that's many, many yeah, years ago.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, but it's just like, I don't know. I still kind of see the flag, and that's where my first thought is. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at Germany here, and you're going to get Germany at a pick at minus 134. I'm all over that play. Also on Thursday, my Greeks play against Slovenia. Now, um, I would love to bet on Greece. We have a lot of good young players coming up. Uh, we just had somebody get signed by um, by Liverpool, which just fired me up. You did, yes. Yes, the left back. The little guy, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there is a hilarious video of James Milner uh, that didn't get fed a pass by Tsimakis. And he goes, oh, what the hell, Costa? And you can literally hear it. The whole mic picked it up. <laughs> it's really good stuff. We'll tweet it all later on the PTB. So make sure you follow us to listen to it.
0: But um, Let's talk about Greece for a minute, okay? Where, is, where are you guys right now in terms of going forward? What, what's the objectives right now for, for Greece's national team? So
2: right now we have a bunch of we have a bunch of younger guys and we're just waiting for them to kind of break through. We have a lot, um. So I mean, yeah, we're starting to get rid of the older guys. Sokrati uh, Papa he's not going to be coming on, uh, mm-hmm. but our U twenty one team is getting better and better, and um, we have a lot of guys coming through Panathinaikos that are um, that continue to grow and continue to get better. We also have our superstar Anastasio Dionis. I absolutely love the kid. We have your goalie, Vlachodimo, yep. who is hopefully going to be there. Uh, but we have a lot of really good young players that still are going to take a little bit of time to develop. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that we're going to have a real good chance to make the next World Cup. Um, personally, one of my favorite guys is Dmitri Pelkas. I love, I love his game. I think that he's a really, really quality player. Um, but... The stability on our team is always the defense. It always has been the defense. It always will be the defense. Um, so, I mean, it, it's kind of tough to see the younger kids, but I think that we're going to get there. We're kind of transitioning to more of an offensive style of play right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, even our even our wing backs. you have guys like Stefan Lidis, who he's kind of an in-betweener. Sometimes he plays on the left wing. Sometimes he plays as a left back. Um, he's more of an offensive-minded player. Um, you have guys like Leandro Cutris, uh who's a center back for um, Olympiacos right now. You have your dude Samaris, who's still going to be part of the club. Mm-hmm. But then you have the younger kids that are starting to break through now. You have the pa- Petros Mandalos for Mike. You have uh, Masuras, who's been very good. Uh, who else? I just pulled up the I just pulled up the lineup here. But I'm
0: looking at the recent call-ups as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're just slowly integrating the younger kids, and it's good to see too. But, again, Pelkas is another guy. I'm sick of Mitroglou. Uh The coach mm-hmm. has pretty much come out and said, don't expect Mitroglu uh-huh. a whole lot anymore, uh, which is great because he's the only player in recent memory that showed up out of shape to a World Cup. <laughs> Freaking guy, dude. Unbelievable. <laughs> I still remember watching that World Cup and saying, look at him. You can literally see his gut through his jersey. Incre- Ugh, what an idiot what a bum uh but yeah i mean becca I said i see another guy that's going to be coming up we have a lot of good young talent we're going to be pretty good i still think we're a couple years away from really making noise though Okay. We're still that we're still that one big forward away. Now we have seen a lot of good guys, uh I'm so high on him. He's 22 years old from Panathinaikos. I think that that kid is going to be the real deal. I mm-hmm. think that he is the future striker of Greece. Uh Leminos, every time that he plays, he's played really really well. He's really shown us something. Um but the other guy that nobody talks about is Vangeli Pavlidis. This dude is – he's playing in France right now. He is a fantastic young talent. I am really expecting big thing from Blav, uh, Pavlidis. Also, I'm sorry, he doesn't play for France. He plays uh, in the Dutch league for um, Willem II, I think. Willem II, okay. Yeah, the, the two lines there. But, yeah, I mean, Greece – Greece is another team, but at the end of the day, we're still a defensive team. So in our matchup against Slovenia, my play here is going to be the draw plus 222 because, again, Slovenia is not the type of team that's going to attack moving forward. Greece is still focused defensively with more attacking players. I'm looking at a
0: 1-1 draw in that game. How about on Friday? You got anything going on Friday? What's your next play in in the Nations League?
2: Friday, we have a tough slate of games, not a whole lot of interesting right. games. Uh, the big one is obviously going to be uh, the Netherlands against Poland. Mm-hmm. I look at Poland plus one potentially with some value. If anything, some books you can buy a half a goal. Now, bet online you can also do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking maybe take it plus, plus half a goal rather than the plus one, and you can get that around plus 130 on the juice, but not a whole lot of value on the board on Friday. The other big game is going to be Italy-Bosnia, but, yeah. I mean, just no value. Italy is a huge favorite on the money line. That is definitely going to be a pass for me.
0: All right. How about on Saturday?
2: Saturday, I mean, how <laughs> are you going to skip out on Gibraltar and San Marino?
0: Oh, dude, I can't wait. I've been, I've had that circled since the draw came <laughs> out.
2: No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> how much do I got to pay you to watch that 90 minutes?
0: Oh, yeah. Like,
2: literally, I've watched these two teams before, and my first thought was, <laughs> Should I go get citizenship and go play for them? Like, they could really use me. Like, I'm a 270-pound man that doesn't run very much, but I could easily start on these two teams. I mean, especially San Marino. Dude, they'd build a statue of me outside the San Marino Stadium that fits, like, 12 people. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: The other one that I'm looking at is a 9 a.m. Uh, kickoff between Armenia and North uh, North Macedonia. Uh-huh. I know that this is a ridiculous – I mean, neither team's a real powerhouse, but I'm all over Armenia on this one. You can get Armenia at plus 110 on the draw. No question uh, – excuse me, not on the draw, but plus half a goal, so yeah. win or draw. I'm all over Armenia in that one. They're a team that just continues to kind of sort of get better and get under yeah. the radar. And they're a team that can kind of – not like hang with the big boys, but – in in one game, yeah, they can show something. They can impress you a little bit. In North Macedonia, they were on the uptick for a while, but they are now on the downfall. This is a team that's getting older. They're, they don't have a whole lot of talent on this team. So I'm all over Armenia there. And then the last game on the slate is the other big one. It is your Portuguese team against Croatia. Mm-hmm. Croatia, I, I love them in the World Cup. I was actually on them to win the group in the World Cup. But um, they're, they're on the downfall. They're another yeah. team that's getting older. They're... They peaked. They had their opportunity. They blew mm-hmm. it against France. and uh, Not necessarily blew it, but you know they lost against France. And this Portuguese team is just getting better and better and better and better. With all the young talent, still Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I, I'm all over Portugal. I think Portugal, over the next two years, I think that this is a team that could easily win the Euro, that could easily win the World Cup. They are a very dangerous side with a motivated Cristiano Ronaldo
0: yeah i 'm excited for this one um again it, it's it 's a funny dichotomy if you will it 's a weird complex being Portuguese because nobody 's ever happy with the national team my entire life i don 't think anyone 's ever been happy with them. I mean we won the euros, and people still can 't stand the manager every 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 selection he makes gets you know scrutinized um, there's the other theory that drives me absolutely crazy, this theory that we play better without Ronaldo, which is not true. Okay? Yeah, we maybe we possess more and maybe we yeah, we have possession. By the way, Barcelona and 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 Bayern Munich to go back to that match for a second. Someone told me Barcelona still has the game ball. They're still in possession. Even though they lost eight to two, they took it home. They they possessed on the plane all the way home. <laughs> Even though they're on vacation, Barcelona is still in possession. So, yeah, man,
2: play a little beach soccer.
0: That, that, that's what I think about possession. But, uh, <laughs>
2: Yes, yes, you have made that abundantly clear. <laughs> you are but no, not a fan of that it, stat.
0: It is, it is not without context. If you're possessing and the other team's attacking third, that's that's good possession. That's going right. to lead to something. If you're like a watered down Spain or Barcelona and you're you're possessing in your middle and defending third, you're not hurting anybody, no matter what the percentage says. But again, the the idea that we're better without Cristiano Ronaldo is, is ludicrous. Okay. Because we lack a true goal scorer still outside of him, all right? We have hard-working forwards that can grind, but we don't have that guy who can, on half a chance, create a goal, all I'm right? I'm really
2: disappointed, by the way, on that topic about yeah. Andre Silva. Watching Andre Silva mm-hmm. as a, as a youngster, I looked at mm-hmm. this guy and said, wow, big striker, a lot of talent. You know, if he could put in the hard work, he's going to be great. Man, he's just – Still he's still so up and down. He he's
0: inconsistent. He has his days where he'll he'll you know he'll get you on a hat trick, yeah. And then there's other days where he, with ten attempts he won't even put one in the same zip code. He's kind of like the Mitroglu of Portugal. In a way, yeah. And I mean we've got <laughs> we've got you know João Felix on the up. Okay, not a true striker, more of a false ten or a false nine, more of a ten. But he he also has the ability to score when he's confident and when he's in form. I think Diego Simeone has kind of hurt his confidence a bit this year. Sleeping so, him off a lot and, you know, not letting him play. As, you know, he's he's been reduced to being almost a defense-minded forward. So, I don't I'm not expecting him to come into the national team pair up with Ronaldo and all of a sudden so go back to his 2019 for form. Yeah.
2: How would you feel if on the right wing uh you get Bernardo
0: Silva? Yep. That that goes without question. And your like number Bernardo 10 even in the middle behind the, the strikers because he's the best passer of the ball. That's where he used to play. And when he was in Benfica's youth team play more as a true 10, and then you can still have, you know, you can still find another guy for the right, but I like Bernardo. The problem with Bernardo on the right in the national team is the team doesn't have the same quality. Manchester city has to get him the ball in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So it happened in the world cup when we lost to Uruguay, he, he was a spectator for the first hour out on the right until Santos moved him into the center. And then he was our best player for the, remi- for the last half hour of that match.
2: So I still think he's good on the right-hand side, reason sure. being I want to put Jao Felix in the middle. Yeah, you yeah. can do that. Now you do that and you put Cristiano Ronaldo as the striker. Mm-hmm. Do you look at somebody like Nani and put him on the left-hand side? Is there any chance Nani gets a call-up anytime Not, soon? None at
0: all. None at all. None? None. Who are you guys going to start on the left hand side? On the left hand side, you got Diogo Jota from Wolves. From Wolves, all right. You've got you. I mean, wide players. We got a plethora of, and I think Nani actually is no longer even interested in in going I, into the national team but I couldn't help
2: but bring it up cuz you know the yeah.
0: MLS man that's, that's oh, a big time league right there. It oh, yeah. was half sarcastic
2: coffee thing. I was I, hoping I to get you going. <laughs> no, I was really hoping to get it, you going. It's
0: not a bad question but you know you see guys like like that you've got um you've got a healthy Andre Gomes maybe coming back at some point. Yeah. You know he's back off that broken leg. It'll be interesting to see what what you know Santos is going to do in this match because we are the defending Nations League winners also, okay? And I, I'm under the impression we want to defend that title, okay? <laughs> it's just, you know, last Nations League, not every team was in there with an intention of, of trying to win it, and I think that's a mistake.
2: Hi. How you I doing? I think this
0: tournament in the future could become a very <laughs> prestigious one just because of the nature of it. You're putting the top teams against each other all the time. Not just that,
2: but you know what? For the lower divisions, hey,
0: Greece, well, hey, we figured to it up, out too. Yes.
2: You know what? Estonia's in the uh, – was it Estonia?
0: Mass- I, th- I think it's – well, you look at the four teams we, that are going to play for a spot in Euro now 2021. We
2: drew against yeah. us, Estonia, and yeah. that's what cost us the chance to go to the Euro because we right. didn't take it seriously.
0: Right. Thumbs up, idiots. Great job,
2: mm-hmm. coach. Um. But yeah, yeah I am. And happy. we
0: already know it was really Rakitic and Modric will not feature in this Croatia team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm all over it. I I really yeah. really do like that play, especially minus 125 on the money line. And again, I I put a lot of stock in Fernando Santos. I know that Portuguese people. I do too. I state. personally
0: do also. I, I don't have through, to agree with every selection he makes, but at the end of the day, he. He's got, I think, two losses all time in official <laughs> matches. He lost to Uruguay in the World Cup, and he lost a qualifier to, to uh, Switzerland. I think that's the only games he's lost that are official matches Yeah, I mean, in charge he's, of this team a, in six years now.
2: You know that you're going to be organized. You know that yeah. you're going to be... And you know what I like about Fernando Santos? He wasn't built for a Greece team that kind of... He took us to the promised land, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's built for a Portuguese team, board. he's going to set you guys up stable defensively. He's going to yeah. make sure that you guys are good defensively. And he's going to let the offensive players be creative. He's not going to get in their way. He's going to tell Ronaldo. I mean, obviously, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. You're going to do whatever he wants anyways. But a guy like Bernardo Silva, you're not going to get in his way of pushing him toward no. the middle. You're going to say, go ahead, dude. Get into the game a little bit. Do your thing. He's going to let Jao Felix be Jao Felix. Even at 19 years old, he's going to let the kid grow. He's going to let him develop. And then if you guys can just get that consistent striker, that's why I brought up potentially putting Ronaldo as the striker. because I've I've been
0: a fan of that for years. he, He is your
2: best goal scorer.
0: I don't. and at Juventus, I never understood why he, especially this year, he wasn't the one in that role. Why they keep bringing him out left, where he mean? ends up crossing the ball instead of being the one there to be on the end. Whoa! Pump the brakes.
2: They have the all-time great Gonzalo Higuain up top, the guy that still hasn't yeah. scored in the last ten years in one big game. Right. One time, you bum. You know, I was watching the El Clasico classics the other day on end <laughs> Sports. First of all, I forgot that that dude played for Real Madrid. My God, my God, it has literally been 10 years since that dude scored one big goal. (laughs) Oh, my God, he drives me nuts. Every yeah. single breakaway, you can guarantee. It's funny how, like, Twitter almost broke when Neymar blew the breakaway the other day. Uh-huh. Um, not the one in the final, but the one in the semis. You sure? They were like, oh, Neymar shaked you. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. You guys that gloat about Higuain, have you missed the last 10 years, folks? They have. They have. He sucks. <laughs> he sucks. He sucks. <laughs> you know what? You guys want to get on Messi? Okay, for not winning a big trophy? No. A, it's the coach for starting that idiot. And B, <laughs> it's that bum that can't score in the Worcester Youth Soccer League. Okay, on a breakaway. Shout all out, right. Worcester <laughs> mess <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, he is horrible. I, you know what? I came onto this program. I was in a really good mood, Daniel, And now I'm just – I'm all kinds of fired up now. <sighs> we, did, we talk about Igwaine We talk – oh, man. We talk about Mitroglou. God, oh, man. Now I'm perturbed. Now I am perturbed. This is not how to get a Saturday. So, so
0: you're saying this is not a good time to ask you about Olympiacos signing Rafinha.
2: Doesn't bother me. Totally at
0: all. Ki- totally joking. You know
2: what, you know what Olympiacos, <laughs> you guys enjoy it because guess what? I have news for you. Shout out to Panathinaikos who finally get their own channel.
0: Just there you go. Yeah, there you mo-
2: go. Moving on up, folks. <laughs> get, just wait till it gets signed up for Fubo, and then we we'll We're gonna have Benfica TV. We're gonna have Panathinaikos TV. We're gonna be moving on up, baby. But uh, no, I really think in the Greek league this year, I think Panathinaikos is the team to watch. Uh, so many good young players coming on up. Again, Campisetas. He is. He's the player that I'm looking at, and I'm saying, yeah you know what, he's going to make the next step. He's going to be a big deal. We also uh, just found out that Federico Mecheta, our top goal scorer for the last couple of years, he's going to be staying on board. We still have a lot of good young talent, especially on the wings with uh, Chazio Yannis. We still have good players in the middle of the pitch. We need to get better defensively, but you know what? I think that we're making progress. Our academy continues to grow and get better. Um, So, I mean, I really do think that we're a team to watch in the Greek Super League. So what's your play on this Portugal-Croatia game? Portugal, <laughs> Portugal, Portugal, Portugal. Minus 125. Yeah, we really got away from that. We, we
0: got very far away from
2: that. We got so far away, my computer's dying. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We got a blinking light, folks. Uh, no, I'm all over Cro- um, not Croatia. I'm all over Portugal. Minus 125 on the mm-hmm. money line. I think that there's huge value there. Uh, I think that a lot of squares are going to be on a different matchup too with Sweden and France, but I, sure. I don't want to touch that, especially with so many French players playing in the um, playing in the Champions League final. They're probably mm-hmm. not going to play that much. Most likely. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge, huge game for them, you got any so
0: early. You got any thoughts on Iceland, England, or Denmark, Belgium?
2: Uh, let me just pull it up right here. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I just saw that. Um I would have a small lean toward Belgium in that matchup. I'm not a huge fan of Denmark. I don't see Mm -hmm. Denmark scoring a whole lot of goals. And Andreas Christensen, you know, at one time I figured that he was going to be a really solid goal center, central defender, but. He just hasn't gotten enough playing time at Chelsea, and every time that he's out there, he kind of sort of disappoints. So I'm looking at Belgium at that one, possibly, at minus 116, but that's another one. You kind of got to see what the lineup's like. Yeah. Are you going to see De Bruyne? Are you going to see Hazard? Are you going to see Lukaku, who played uh, with Inter? Right. What What is that lineup going to look like in that matchup? So that's the problem with betting on soccer so early, and you know, I face this problem with the podcast pretty much daily, Right. Where I don't know the lineups. And, you know, it was a thing that happened in the Champions League final where I, I focused so much on Andres Agana and why I thought putting him in to stop the uh, the counterattack with Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry was such a crucial thing. And then the second that he wasn't in, I said, uh-oh.
0: That changes everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one player, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the superstar player. It's about the tactical player, right. the right guy for that moment, you know. So it's really hard to go at it, but... um, The England-Iceland game, I'm looking for the odds right here. What day is it?
0: That's on Saturday as well.
2: Saturday, Saturday. Hey, there we go. Yeah, England's huge favorite, minus 318. Part of me says a little bit of value on Iceland, but in reality, you know, England's still mad about 2016.
0: Yeah, and I think Iceland is on the decline since then. I think where they peaked at that. At that yeah. tournament, and it's been almost five years, so
2: kind of the Croatia syndrome. They got, yeah. they made their noise, they got their collapse, and now they're on the actually kind of the Greece syndrome, too. But, <laughs> but you just I just mean, haven't yeah, heard you
0: haven't heard of any players coming out of Iceland in the past couple of years, you know, nothing there's been no new revelations. The team's just older than they were, yeah. I mean, you point. still
2: got that guy making movies, um, the goalie, yeah. Uh, you still have good Bonson, who I think still at Burnley, okay, but he hasn't played a ton. Yeah, Aaron Gohanson too. But I just, yeah, I'm staying away from that one. Too too big of uh too big of a money line on England. Yeah. Not overly confident, minus one and a half. I really think that you're gonna see some upsets though in the Nations League. It's one of those things where you're gonna kind of sort of have to keep an eye on it and um you know, see who's gonna play, see who's not gonna play, who's coming off the bench. So, I mean, I'm definitely gonna have plays on them every single day. So be sure to listen to the podcast, D yeah. Gens United. I'm going to have updates every single day throughout it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of sort of what I'm looking at right now. Those are and the players that I have checked off. There's
0: been a change in the format for this competition, too, from the last one. It's four. It's now four groups of four versus four groups of three. Right. Uh, so, it's an extra game. So, basically, the next three uh, international windows will all be UEFA Nations League matchups. Right. And, um Basically, I think they did that so that Germany wouldn't have to be relegated to League B to be honest with you because, <laughs> oh, and Croatia man. as well because the both of them came in last place in their groups
2: yeah i'm I'm a big fan of uh germ i'm a big fan of Germany this week uh, I really think that that's a quality play but um yeah i mean that's kind of what I'm thinking right now
0: all right. I think that's going to do it for this week, Leo. Um, we've been on for quite a bit here. Um, we will be back next Sunday, so we'll have more Nations League to talk about. Yes, I'm looking forward
2: to it, man. We're going to recap all that. Hey, we got the Community Shield today too. We got
0: the Community Shield coming. It probably has already started. That's right. Arsenal's <laughs> up one nothing at halftime. Uh,
2: Dgens United all over. There we it, go. So, half a goal and to win the cup, folks.
0: So we can take We can. Uh, we can touch on that next week. So disclaimer to everybody listening, it's not Sunday night yet, even though this is the Sunday night sportsbook <laughs> powered powered by betonline.ag. So go over to betonline.ag and uh and uh get started with our friends there. Um, Leo, tell us uh what you got coming up this week and where can our listeners find you? This week it is
2: another action filled uh, action filled week. I am all kinds of fired up because guess what? The U.S. Open is starting this week. I do plan on doing a huge breakdown of the first round, all on the men's and women's side. You can either find that probably on our YouTube channel. I do expect to post it there. Uh, You can find plenty of videos as well for some extra in-depth analysis on the BTV network. Uh, I do tweet them out. I do tweet out about them quite a bit. So be sure to follow me on Twitter as well. It's uh, djens underscore united. Love me, hate me, it doesn't matter, guys. Follow me, let me know. I'm dedicated to giving you guys the most information, to giving you guys really quality plays. It, we're coming off a real bad day on Friday, but uh, looking to get off to a good start here with Arsenal up. So I feel pretty good. It's going to be a good weekend. And then got to focus next week. We have Nations League, the U.S. Open. We got basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs. It is a great time to be a D-Gen. There is going to be sports literally all day. It is a great, great time to be alive, folks.
0: All right. Thank you, Leo, for joining me again this week on the Sunday Night Sportsbook, powered by BetOnline.ag. And we'll see you next week.
2: Copy, Daniel. It's been an absolute pleasure, my friend.
0: All right. Have a good one. We'll be right back here on the Parking the Bus Network with the Parking the Bus Podcast, Episode 10. And a big thank you to Leo and to BetOnline.ag for powering that segment for us here on the parking the bus podcast episode 10 thank you for sticking with me this long i know we've gone a little bit longer than usual in this one but i got one more one more thing to talk about today with you all right and i'm gonna talk a little bit about some tv ratings news before before we call it a week before we call it an episode And this is involving television ratings in the United States, of course. And we're talking about the UEFA Champions League final that you just heard Leo and I discuss uh, about a half hour ago, probably. um, When we back at the beginning of our conversation. But let's see how it did on television before we before we go for this week. And according to WorldSoccerTalk.com, my favorite website for any kind of realist, real news um, involving football, involving media, involving coverage, ratings, numbers, they're the best. And their article from August the 24th says UEFA Champions League final delivers over 2 million viewers on Univision and 2 So, over two million viewers. That's right. It's two point zero five million viewers only in Spanish in the United States. Now, because in English it was on CBS Sports Network and CBS uh, Sports All Access, it was it was um, simulcast on both of those locations. But because it was on. Uh, it was streamed there. Nielsen does not rate CBS Sports Network or CBS Sports All Access. Therefore, we don't even know what the number was for the English language broadcast. An English language broadcast that I have to say was phenomenal, from beginning to end. The, CBS put the best, the best studio analyst team together that I have seen cover this game in this country before. And then you pair it with some excellent, uh, some excellent play-by-play commentary. You got Peter Schmeichel in the stadium as well. You got all kinds of analysts. I've, I've mentioned their names before. Hats off to CBS. This, this this potentially did a huge number for club football in this country. Okay, and it goes back to the question. Don't tell me that soccer or football is is a sport Americans don't care about. That's not true. When the game is on at the right time. On the right day, and this I know this can be true about everything, but when it's not handicapped by being up against the NFL or being up against the World Series, you whatever you name it, the NBA playoffs, we're up against that right now, but when you give the type of quality football that a football fan is going to go out of his way to watch, yes, you're going to do a fantastic number in the United States, this is why... World Cups do such good television numbers in the United States, okay? Yes, it pulls in some of the mainstream, but what it does is it gets your actual football people all together in one place, which I mentioned in past episodes it is not an easy thing to do because, you know, football in the United States is an a la carte buffet table, if you will. You take a little of this, a little of that. Most of us like this. We don't necessarily want that. And, um, yeah, yeah. The potential for football in this country is phenomenal. Major League Soccer on the other hand not doing so well. They're, they're I'm sorry. Their ratings continue to tank. Okay, and I'm not going to get into to reasons why I think their ratings are going down. There's multiple reasons, but I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Uh, they just they they need to figure it out. They need to start catering to a soccer audience not a mainstream audience, that in itself will be a huge help. Because right here, the fact that you had 2.05 million people watch this match in Spanish alone in this country, I would expect close to a million in English. I wouldn't be surprised, okay? Um, Granted, this number is big because maybe, perhaps it is less in English because this number is probably so big because this in spanish it was much more readily available you didn't have to sign up for a streaming package everybody's got univision okay so that probably did a big re that probably was a large reason for that giant number but hats off to univision and to their streaming service to dna their sports network i should say for uh, that number now here is a little bit of some more numbers for you so since the uefa champions league restart August the seventh. Univision's to DNA has set the following viewership marks. This is, of course, again courtesy of World Soccer Talk. In the final, the number one ever Spanish language final didn't even feature a Spanish speaking team. No Barcelona, no Real Madrid. Okay. And it's Paris Saint Germain and Bayern Munich averaging two point zero five million total viewers two plus, and w- 113 million adults between the age of 18 to 49. That is the key demo. Okay, we don't talk about this enough on Soccer Podcast. The t- key demo. This is why this game is growing in this country because of that age group right there, 18 to 49, 113 million, uh, or million, I'm sorry, 1.13 million adults. Ages 18 to 49. Boy, did I misspeak there. That would have been great, 113 million adults. No, 1.13 million adults, okay? In the semifinal, the number one ever, regardless of language, Olympic Leon versus Bayern, 963,000 viewers total on 2DNA. Again, 501,000 of those are the key demo of adults ages, 18 to 49. And in the quarterfinals, number one ever quarterfinal, regardless of language, Barcelona-Bayern Munich, 1.3 million total viewers, and 630,000, 18 to 49. And they did it also in the round of 16. And, yes, Barcelona helps with this one. Barcelona-Napoli, 9.6. I'm sorry, nine hundred and sixty-seven thousand viewers. All right, that is the number one ever round of sixteen viewership. I think the single elimination format also helped this. This um, these matches and the TV numbers, no doubt about it. All right, that is gonna do it for this week. All right, that's it for parking the bus. We'll get back to, to to checking in on more leagues and parking the bus around the world next week. Um, coming this week on the PTB Media Network, like I said, there is an Australian A-League Grand Final review, a Women's Champions League review, a UEFA Youth League review, okay, is coming. That That might even be available in your podcast player by the time you listen to this. All right, I got that coming up as well as more stuff throughout the week. More new content on Mr. Benfica and Flamingo Nation coming your way. All right, this has been Parking the Bus, Episode 10. I am the Mr. Mike You Thank you for staying with me this long. Thank you for joining me. And I will see you next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the PTB Media Network.